You're listening to Past and Present, the Colonial Williamsburg podcast. Hi, welcome to the podcast. I'm Harmony Hunter. In the 18th century, not everyone in Williamsburg was eager for revolution. Called loyalists, these citizens thought it made a lot more sense to stay subjects of the king and resolve their differences peacefully or forget them altogether. History shows us that many colonists, from the very prominent to the most humble, were loyalists. One such citizen was printer William Hunter, who is portrayed by actor-interpreter Sam Miller in Colonial Williamsburg's Revolutionary City. Sam, thank you for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me here. So, uh, just to briefly remind folks what Revolutionary City is, this is an interactive street theater program that we do in Colonial Williamsburg's historic area that lets visitors actually interact with some of the citizens of the 18th century and of the Revolutionary era to be able to, to talk to them in first person and be able to um, sort of encounter these these living ghosts That's right. uh, of the Revolution. So mm -hmm. you, the character you portray, William Hunter, is actually a historic character. He was a printer in Williamsburg. Tell That's us correct. about Hunter. Um, William Hunter Jr., as a matter of fact, uh, he is actually the son of uh, William Hunter, who was uh, known for many, many decades as one of the, uh, uh, as one of the most prominent um, printers of the Virginia Gazette, of which there were several that were uh, published uh, concurrently at the time. Um, William H Hunter uh, was a good friend of uh, Benjamin Franklin, and the two of them had been made uh, deputy uh, postmasters for North America. And between the two of them, they worked out a more efficient means of running the postal system uh, in colonial America. William Hunter Jr. Uh, was actually not known even to be his son until uh, William Hunter died when my characters were the age of uh, six or seven. Uh, I, the only reason people knew about me is because my name was mentioned in the will. I was uh, granted for when I came of age to have a half share in his business and to inherit uh, his, his farm and his other property. I was raised uh, from a young age uh, by Benjamin Weldon, who was a plantation owner uh, about six miles uh, west of, of, of Williamsburg, somewhere in James City County. So I was actually not raised by my parents. Uh, so I was an illegitimate son. Uh, so when it came out in, in the will that I had inherited the business, the reaction generally people had was he had a son. Um, I was educated, as a matter of fact, in the Franklin household in uh, Philadelphia from the ages of about 9 to 13. I was in Philadelphia. I was educated more frequently, however, by his son, uh, William Franklin, who at the time was the governor of New Jersey. And I think a lot of my appreciation, a lot of uh, William Hunter Jr.'s appreciation for the history and the ideals of the British Empire were probably uh, that influence probably came most strongly from uh, William uh, Franklin's teachings. Then uh, I came back to Williamsburg and uh, studied in an apprenticeship until I came of age. And by, by the time I was 21, right at the beginning of the revolution in, in 17 and 75, I became a co-printer uh, of the Virginia Gazette along with John Dixon, who was at the time the mayor of Williamsburg. What a wonderful amount of history to have about this, about this person that, that you're portraying, uh, to be able to piece that together and bring that sort of biographical detail to yeah, it's a very, it's a, Yeah, it's a very peculiar um, childhood that he had, too. He was, he was just kind of passed around from one household to another as he grew up. And to think that he never knew his father, yet, yet followed in his footsteps. That's right. So how did, uh, you mentioned that William Hunter Jr.'s uh, loyalist leanings probably were 
were a result of his education in the Franklin household. How did mm -hmm. that manifest itself? How do we see his loyalist tendency? Well, he was definitely not well known to be a loyalist, and certainly not at the beginning of the revolution. I think he is smart enough to realize the amount of pressure that is being put on loyalists, especially in that very critical year of 1775, when there is that kind of vacuum that exists in the government. Um, and that, that vacuum is filled by uh, committees of safety, for example. I'm willing to believe that he actually did have patriotic leanings at the beginning and that those evolved over the course of the war. To be a loyalist in Williamsburg, even just a little bit loyal, was a dangerous business to indeed, be loyal to the king because as the patriotic fervor builds, these committees of safety uh, are convened and, and what, do, what do they visit on, on loyalist citizens? Well, not only in Virginia but in other colonies as well, there was, there was pretty much open harassment of anyone who was outspoken against the American cause or those who were known to, um, to violate uh, the associations, those who were smuggling goods in and out of England or those that were um, stockpiling or hoarding certain types of goods that you weren't supposed to have, for example, those who were actually holding on to their tea. I believe there are a good number of those who were either loyalist or not completely committed to the patriotic cause who were smart enough to simply, well, for a better way of putting it, keep their mouths shut. And they, kept, they simply kept their opinions to themselves and kept out of the spotlight and they coexisted as best they could. They were being loyal. They were being true to the country that they were born into. And they, I mean, they viewed being a patriot as being a traitor. And, you know, and they were being persecuted for that. Doesn't this give us a lot to think about? First, what a hard time to be alive, that it was dangerous to be a patriot and, and, and be a traitor and risk being hanged mm -hmm. by England, your home country. It was dangerous to be a loyalist. It certainly and, was in Virginia. And point out the, the, the logic that, hey, we're going up against a, an enemy that has much far greater resources than we do. This, this really doesn't make sense. We'll, That's right. we'll never win. That's right. And then, too, when you think about um, the generation that was striving for equal rights and, you know, and, and the Constitution and fair representation and fair government, it's the same generation that is coming up with these committees of safety that are going to ride roughshod over civil rights, go through your belongings, you know, uh, torture you in the streets with tar and feather. It, it really gives you a lot to think about when you examine more closely the revolutionary generation. We think of them as, as, as such giants, but there, there was some, it was messy. It was messy it was. there in the beginning. It was. Well, and, and it, I think the most critical year for that too was 75 because we hadn't declared our independence yet. We were still very confused about our national identity. There's so much more to understand about the revolution, and mm -hmm. that's what I think is one of the great things about meeting your character mm -hmm. in the revolutionary city. What is it that you like about portraying William Hunter? What do you get to share with visitors? I think, as with playing with any loyalist character, and certainly with playing uh, this particular character once the war is, is, is in progress, is to play kind of a devil's advocate with the, with the audience. And I think that's an experience that, that's pretty surprising to them. There is, of course, the notion that everybody was in this together. It's hard to believe that there are those who, who think that the revolution wasn't a good idea in the first place. Um, in William Hunter's case, I think part of that comes from, I don't think he believed that we should have declared our independence. I th he agreed with the grievances that we had with England, with the, with the taxation, with the coercive acts, um, with the blockading of, of, of Boston, but 
but, that de but declaring our independence was one step too far, that these differences could have been worked out, that there was no reason why we couldn't have secured our um, self-government as we've done it for all these years and have the best of both worlds without having to resort to completely abandoning ship. And that's an opinion I think a lot of, a lot of people had, maybe not the majority in Virginia, but it certainly is, is significant enough to, to have men like Hunter go so far as to quit his paper after uh, two and a half years because he cannot, in good conscience, continue to print a paper with a patriotic man like John Dixon. It's wonderful. It brings so much depth to the story of the revolution. And it's great to see uh, in first person what sort of challenges, what kind of difficulties the ordinary citizen faced when the situation materialized before them. Mm -hmm. So, Sam, we look forward to seeing you in the Revolutionary City. Thank you so much for being our guest today. Oh, my pleasure. We're always glad to hear from you. Send comments or suggestions from our webpage at podcast.history.org or find us on Facebook. To support the podcast and other Colonial Williamsburg programs, visit history.org slash donate.